0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. This is your host, Menion, also known as Rob. And in today's episode, I'm going to play a bunch of cool ins um, I was luckily, lucky to receive from, uh, let's see, Jason and Nerds RPG Variety Cast and uh, also Clerics Wear Ringmail. And finally, I think Spencer of uh, Keep Off the Borderlands. So I'll put those probably at the end of the show. And uh, before that, I'm going to do a little unboxing because I've got nothing else to talk about um, other than what I'm receiving and what I'm enjoying in the hobby. Not so many games this, this um, past week or so. I've got a game, probably, of RuneQuest on this evening, which I'm playing in. And uh, while I'm attending uh, the Osaka Adventurers Union um, thing... Tomorrow, we're not actually running a game because one of the players is, unfortunately, absent. So we're going to just play, I think there's a forgotten, one of the guys has a Forgotten Realms card game that he's going to run for us. So we'll we'll play that and uh, maybe watch a movie on a projector. I don't know, some some cheesy fantasy movie or something. We'll see. So let's get on with it. Okay, so first up on the call ins is Jason of Nerd's RPG Variety Cast. Take it away, Jason.
1: Hey Jason here. I paused in the middle of your episode to tell you about True Detective. So it's on HBO. I don't think so, if you don't have HBO, you probably won't have access to it. I I know everybody calls out Matthew McConaughey, but I'll tell you Woody Harrelson does a great job in that show as well. Woody Harrelson really knocks it out of the park. I realize he's kind of why well, he's the partner, and I don't want to say supporting character, but I think he's overlooked. His great performance in that show I think is overlooked because it's really a great performance. But True Detective is a show you watch for the actors and their acting ability, not so much the plot. I mean, the plot's okay, but it's interesting and it you know it touches on Lovecraftian things a little bit. But for the most part, you're watching for McConaughey and, and Woody Harrelson's acting, because really it really knocks that park. But yeah, I. Anyway, let, let me get back to the show. Pausing your latest episode again to weigh in on what Ray Oda said, not you know, and what you said, nothing, nothing's new in the hobby. In tomorrow's episode on my podcast, which that gonna be the fifth of December, I, I'm going to talk about Lee Gold's Alarms and Excursions, which is a, effectively a fan theme, you know, a fan journal she's published or she's edited, I guess. You know, since the beginning of this hobby. For, you know, since the very beginning, you can still get those on PDF, actually. They're $2 each. And I know Joe Webster picked up, I think, the first hundred. And I need to scram some money together to get them before you can't get them anymore. So I, I think I'm going pick, to pick up a bunch of those. Maybe I need to sell something to fund that. But And in those alarms and excursions are all those fan letters back and forth. And you can see these arguments as they develop, you know, as the hobby develops. It's really neat.
0: Thanks, Jason. Yeah, that's, you pretty much hit it on the uh, the nail on the head, as it were. You I don't really buy into all oh, those Netflix and this and that and the next thing. I'm just not interested. They've, they've kind of lost me, you know. <laughs> I think the modern age has sort of left lost me and uh, maybe I'm best left behind. But I, I feel that I'm ahead, so we'll leave it at that. But yeah, I, I don't watch a lot of TV, uh, particularly in the winter. I just like to tuck into our um, little table. Uh, We've got a kotatsu, which is like a little table that's on the ground and um, it heats up your feet. It's got like a blanket around it and you put your legs inside and uh, you just stay in there all winter. Keep warm. Don't worry about what's out. Don't worry about what's on the TV. I do appreciate, however, your um, bringing uh, the alarms and excursions up, which is actually more or less what I was kind of refer- referring to when I made my rather opinionated sort of sweeping comment about uh, nothing new. Um, it was really much um, based on alarms and excursions and a lot of the uh, the information about that kind of you know, early 70s movement around role-playing games, which really turned the game into a role-playing game, I suppose, in many ways. Um, that, uh, was it John... Is it John Peterson who did the book um, Playing at the World? Anyway, in that book, he goes into a lot of detail about these things. And that's one of the reasons why I sort of made that rather sweeping statement. And, you know, it's it's a bit unfair and uh, probably worth um, taking to task a little bit. So um, luckily, we have people in the community that will do that for us. So next up is Clerics Wear Wim, Clerics Wear Ringmail, and he's going to point out one of the obvious um, flaws in the the logic of there is nothing new under the sun. So please take it away.
2: Morning Rob, this is Taylor of Clerics Wear Ringmail, calling in to confirm. Yes, there is nothing new under the sun. However, we must remember that the sun rises on many shores. Recall, calculus was invented in two places around the same time. Did the authors copy or were they influenced by one another? I don't know. But, further back, I'm sure that the ancient Chinese were aware of triangles and trigonometry, but had never heard of Pythagoras. Advantage as a mechanic isn't even new to D&D. In the 3.5 complete books, they have a feat you can take that gives you advantage on saving throws. So, I tell you that to tell you this. While it is always the case that an analogy or a simile can be drawn between any new idea and another older idea, it's important not to let that discovery disparage the novelty of the idea creator. As such, we mustn't allow our ability to dredge up similar or same material to drown out or destroy creativity. If we are engaging with someone who is building something new that we have seen before, it's still new to them, and if we present them with that older material, that older material should be considered supplementary to their creativity for fear that we stifle the creativity that they have and although this coming from someone who's working on an adaptation of chainmail not only derivative but also ancient <laughs> to be clear i read zero animosity nor ill will in any of your podcasts on the subject to date it is not my intent to accuse you of telling new creators that the creations they're creating are in fact derivative from manuscripts they have never seen. However, it was important for me to express this opinion in a civil and constructive tone because I have grown so tired over the years on forums or other media of seeing new people, young people, pipe up, hey, this new thing is cool, and then seeing someone else pipe up screw off i knew about that idea before you were born cheers and enjoy the show
0: thanks taylor for really um clarifying that um and bringing it up it's really important to stress that the game is um about imagination and creativity and rediscovering things um not only but certainly not least for the younger generations coming to the game, but also for the older people like us who come back to the game and find something new, even in even in an older set of rules. Um, the, the initial uh, reason that I, I made the comment was really to sort of point out that the, the sense of the idea that one edition is an evolution, Over another, our newer, newer, newer editions are more evolved and uh, improved versions of the game. Is is sort of kind of uh, wrong? I think I don't. I don't like that idea. I don't like the idea of some kind of idea of natural progression towards perfection. in In life in history, I think we take many steps forward and many steps back and it's not always about what is best for the game or best for society or best for the community it's often what is um, what is most convenient to the person with the the um the loudest megaphone and the um the, the greatest means to control uh, a me- a form of media or or the direction of so-called uh, progress um, it's also worth p- pointing out that the what what we are often referring to what people often refer to as progress in the game is being funneled through um you know um means that aren't by any stretch of the imagination uh, charitable that they are Um, Companies, corporations are uh, not really in it for uh, progressing um, ideas and games for what is best for society or what is best for creativity. They're really there um, more and more um, as they get larger and larger to uh, ensure uh, good returns on investment for the shareholders and nothing more. Uh, they will listen to people's voices, sometimes they listen too hard um, to uh, the most loudest voices um, and don't pay enough attention to the fact that these uh, changes and and fashions and also what is considered a progress are subject to change uh, frequently over the years that is not to say obviously that we shouldn't try to improve things but i don't really need um, a company to tell me how to improve something make it more make a game run better or for a society to society to be more egalitarian i i don't think that companies are in the position to do that um really <laughs> um i don't think uh if we were living in a more egalitarian world we wouldn't have companies um how's that for a really really uh opinionated uh comment but um back to the game back to games yeah um you're absolutely right and i think that it's important to be taken to task for very um kind of rough and and uh ready comments and that was certainly one of mine. Yeah, the, if somebody's coming to fifth edition and they're enjoying the game and that's their idea of D&D, then that's fantastic, you know, um, that they're having fun. They're able to sort of change the rules themselves and make up their own adventures, hopefully, and and um, move beyond perhaps what's in the original sets or what they see on actual plays or whatever it might be and, and then form their own um, approach to D&D or role-playing games that isn't in any way um, doesn't rest upon the authority of the older generations such as, you know, myself or yourself, whoever. but um, also the authority of, you know, Wizards of the Coast or, you know, Matthew Mercer or whatever his name is, any of these things. I think it's very much, very important that they, they pick up the game and and turn it into what they and their friends want it to be you know well it's not always going to match what somebody else is doing but that's fine as long as you know they're not pushing that as the new the new thing and the, the new standard um so yeah thank you so much for your comments i hope that's not too rambly
3: hey rob spencer here I really enjoyed that last episode. I thought it was very interesting what you were saying about uh, nostalgia. You're playing OSC not being about nostalgia. And it's, it's funny because it's something that I really identify with this. Um, my my fascination with the the OSR has never been about nostalgia, not beyond you know just wanting to play RPGs again and um kind of paradoxically in with what gavin norman has done with ose in going right, right back to the the source and kind of um you know polishing it up and presenting it those old rules as something shiny and new he seems to have kind of freed it from the the shackles of nostalgia I think that's especially true when you you look at the new adventures that are coming out. All the people involved in writing those seem to be um, putting out their their best work, by all accounts. I mean, I haven't really read through them, but the the reception they're getting is kind of unprecedented. The the sort of consistency of uh, praise for all the the adventures especially those ones coming out through necrotic gnome so yeah i mean that the the whole point about nostalgia there I, I i don't know how much truth there is to that it was just a, something that came to me while i was reflecting on what you were saying about nostalgia and uh yeah so you know interesting stuff and really great show and um yeah look forward to the next episode take care man bye
0: thank you for the call in, spencer it's it's really nice to know that uh you are coming from a similar place too. that you're getting that enjoyment out of the, these old systems with with this new feel this this sense that it's happening now that you're not merely going back to old modules and trying to recapture something that happened in the past rather you're whether it's a new module or an old module, you're, you're playing those adventures in a way that is really very much now. That you're, it's about having fun with your friends now. Um, and there's a lot of theory, obviously, that we can bring into the game now that, you know, maybe existed in the past as well, but perhaps I wasn't aware of it. And that plays a little bit into what Clerics Wear, uh, wear ringmail's Males um, Taylor was just saying earlier that, you know, a lot of these discussions about, you know, the living dungeon um, and dungeons having to make sense or not having to make sense or whether we should be playing simulationist um, battle games or whether we should be role-playing. All these things have been sort of twisted back and forth over the years and sometimes the terms we use have been sort of changed around, the meaning, the way that they're used has changed. But when it comes down to it, I guess, yeah, we are always now, right? We're always here now, right? And that means playing the game that we have our fingertips on around our table. We can't go back to the past. Um, it's always something that has to be enjoyed in the moment. Um, if if younger people, if, if new players, not necessarily younger people, but new players are able to get something out of um, Necrotic Gnome, even if they don't play... <coughs> excuse me. Even if they don't play... Um, if they st- stick with something like Five E, for example, but they play some of these new adventures and sort of adapt it to their own game, or they they hear about Glorantha and they bring in elements of Glorantha, they bring in some of that world into their Five E game. That's that's fantastic, as far as I'm concerned. You know, this 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 sense of of discovering things and, and put, putting them together in new ways um, is. Uh, what it's all about, I don't think it should be pure. There shouldn't be some kind of form of pure D&D um, that is controlled by a single company. And that's something, I guess, returning to to Jason's call-ins earlier about alarms and excursions, the people in that magazine felt very strongly about it, even as far back as, what, 1975, you know, they were already saying, uh, that it's not it's no longer something that c- it can be controlled merely by TSR that the game has a life of its own the the f- the fandom if you like um the community has its own ability to to put things together in new ways um adapt sources and and so on make make their own classes make their own adventures so that's something that is definitely not new and that will continue going on uh in the future with any luck. Um <clears throat> as long as as long as we have a megaphone to shout out, as long as we're able to t- show people that that's not merely what it's about, that there is a bigger world, there's more games out there, there's more ways you can play the same game. Um do a lot of people know that? Yeah, probably a lot of a lot of people do, but often I guess I guess um It's echo chambers, isn't it? We have these beautiful platforms, beautiful. We have these um, very powerful platforms where we can talk about our hobbies and that. But it's often the case that we shut each other out. We block people or we, we turn off certain words that don't really fit the kind of games that we're running. And so we talk to smaller and smaller groups of people um so are you know are people who've just come to the hobby say two three years ago are they aware of all the different games that are out there, or do they see things much more about as a d and d and a five e from a five e perspective I, I really don't know no idea um from a British role player's perspective, you know, having started in the eighties, your magazine of choice wouldn't have been dragon. It would have been White Dwarf and opening it up, you would have seen Call of Cthulhu and Dungeons and Dragons and RuneQuest and all these different systems, uh, maybe Judge Dredd, Marvel superheroes, or something like that. And you would have known from the outset that there are all these different games. You'd be able to look at the adventures and reviews and and you would probably be drawn to these games, certain games capture attention and then discover how the mechanics of the game work differently. Um, certainly that was my experience uh, growing up with uh, D&D and, and learning about things like Middle-earth role-playing and Judge Dredd and Call of Cthulhu, wrote RuneQuest, you know. Um, it all expanded f- from, uh, well really from fighting fantasy but yeah, you know, D&D I suppose. And uh, expanded from there. And uh, is it is it the same today? I don't know. Tell me, tell me, people. Uh, I, I have no idea. Um, I think it feels much more like a just a huge monoculture. <laughs> uh, and I think I think the other games, though there are many, many more other games today. You know, un- uncountable amounts of games today available. I don't know how many of them really get. Played by huge the huge numbers that would have played the variety of games available back in the eighties. No idea. Um, perhaps people will call in and say, "No, we only ever played D and D." In which case, you know, fine. But uh, in my my experience in Britain, um, role playing games weren't that big. Uh, not certainly not as big as in in uh, the states or something, and it was very very much an underground movement um there was a lot of stuff available but it it was uh kind of a nerdy thing and you you know you could get a good kick in for it and uh, it's not something you wouldn't uh, like walk into toys r us and see shelves and shelves of stuff because there were there were no toys r us you know um until much later i remember i remember when i was what's 17, 18, they built the first McDonald's. So this this view, this view that, that we often get of how the, the role-playing games uh, um, dominated young kind of popular culture in the 80s and so on, it just isn't a true picture of what it was like in many countries uh, outside of North America. Um, and That's another topic maybe, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting going forward uh, as I do more interviews with people to see how it, the experience of uh, role-playing games was in their country. Sorry, I was really rambling there, so I had to cut that. <laughs> kind of got off topic. Um, getting back to it, yeah, it's great. I love the game. <laughs> um, thanks so much for you, Colin Spencer. I think I've covered everything ad uh, nauseum there. <laughs> um, but yeah... Um, I look forward to hearing some of your own ideas in your own podcast and hopefully we can keep on uh, refining this, this uh, these ideas of old, not being old at all and how it's important to, I guess, play things like they're happening now because they are and keep it fresh. Okay, so I think this might be a first for me. I'm going to do an unboxing just like jason of nerds rpg variety cast everybody's doing it and of course you can't see it so i've got to describe it it's a bit like i don't know some kind of odd radio i have here a knife um i'm told i'm allowed to use it i'm i'll try to cut this without destroying the contents there we go or cutting myself Get away from yourself I'm not using a uh, any dangerous kind of like dangerous kind of ninja ninja knives like um some of the people like Joe Joe Richter might use. But okay, so it's a, you know an average size box, it's mostly stuffing as you'd imagine, because I know what it is, it says on the front, but I'm not gonna tell you until I open it up. Um okay. There you go. Oh, you get the idea. Oh, there's hardly anything in here. I'm glad. I'm glad the missus isn't here today. <laughs> she probably would expect something a bit more sizable than what's arrived. Um, given how much it cost. So, all right. Um ooh, wow, that looks like it's in really good condition. Okay, alright, let's let's I have two items here. They're both in plastic um prote- have plastic protection. Um the first one is Dungeon Module T1 for Advanced Dungeons and Dragons game, The Village of Homlet by Gary Gygax. Introductory to Novice Level. Right. Um, all right, it looks all right. Oh, is, is that sheet sticking out? What's going on there? Oh no, don't say it's in a bad bad condition. All right, okay. And the other uh, item I have here is Dungeons and Dragons fantasy adventure game. Monster and treasure assortment sets one to three. Levels one to nine. I have no idea what this is, really. Um, now, um, the dungeon module, so the Village of Homlet, I'll open it up. The version I have here, which hopefully is in good condition, should be, um, is the green cover. It's not the monotone, who is it? A monotone cover or a two-tone? I'm not sure, three-tone cover. Oh no, it's slightly damaged. I don't think they told me that. I don't remember reading that. Okay, that's a bit of that's a bit of a shame. Um maybe I didn't read it carefully enough. They usually tell you. Alright, so um hmm, it looks like the last page, somebody had cut off the last page <laughs> for the some of the yeah, the dungeon maps, and that has as a result caused the front page, which has that wonderful um Picture of the of the cleric um, and the crayfish and and the cultists and keep on the front to come off slightly. Um, that's a real pity. I wasn't quite expecting that. I thought I'd ordered one of a uh, higher quality. Uh, read the small print. Okay, so and the last page, the map, obviously is somebody's cut it off and lost it, and this is a reproduction by the look of things that's not quite what i was hoping for um not sure if the price is here no i don't see the but um yeah i mean i, I did pay a reasonable amount of money so i would have hoped it would be a bit better quality oh here it says here you go villager homlet 40 so this is what you get for 40 bucks if you want a copy of the villager Hamlet*, there you go all right um, I'll try not to be too negative, but it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a shame. It's got the the cover is in good condition. Just something I would rather if the booklet was in better condition than the cover, to be honest. But there you go. The cover is in decent condition. And um, let's see if I can get that folded so it fits in nicely. Not sure if I can. What a downer! What a downer! You don't want me to. Are you sure you want to listen to this? Okay, I'll, maybe I'll put it on the side and I'll try to sort it out neatly later. So, okay, well, kind of mixed mixed feelings on that. Uh, but it's nice to have it because, I mean, that's the adventure that I returned to D&D with, um, what, no, three years ago. We spent about a year, or just slightly over, maybe a year and a half, running the village of Homlet. So I really wanted to get a copy just as a, just as a pat on the back to myself um, uh, for doing doing that and getting that get helping start an old school uh, group together in of all places Japan uh, Osaka Japan so that's why I got that this looks like it's in absolutely pristine order in in on the other hand um, this is Monster and Treasure I just opened it up wow how on earth. Yeah, see both of them are labeled as in very good condition this one is called, labeled very good plus the village of homlet i wouldn't say that i would say that's passable <laughs> given the condition um this however yeah again this was is more like excellent or mint condition i have not seen anything dating back from this is 77 78 1980 so it's a uh, probably the last printing of this And it is Monster and Treasure Assortment. So, Monsters and Treasure, are you running out of ideas for ways to stock your dungeon full of treasure? Do you need a quick and easy way to fill your castle of 1,000 rooms with monsters? The Monster and Treasure Assortment has 900 monsters, 900 treasure. A host of treasure containers, protection devices, concealments, and complete instructions for using the assortment to fill in partially stocked or newly encountered dungeon levels. Designing and stocking any number of dungeon levels becomes a snap with monster treasure assortment. Is used in conjunction with dungeon geomorphs, wah, 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 TSRs. Geomorphs allow an almost endless variety of rooms to be laid out in virtually no time at all. And that's what I've got here. Yeah, yeah it's just... Absolutely fabulous condition! Wow, um, and the the um, here's an interesting one. The the staples stapling it together aren't showing any signs of rust. This looks like it's just come out the wrapping. I don't think this has ever been used. Um, that's great. Is it any use? Does it have anything of um, interest inside? Well, I'll we'll have to have a look at that to judge. As for the Dungeon Geomoths, I intended... I did actually order that with these. But unfortunately... Um, unfortunately... Uh, they... Something went wrong with the... Uh, something w- went wrong with it. And they said, that oh, we don't actually have Dungeon Geomoths anymore, which is funny. So I don't know if that was bought under my nose when I made... At the same time as I made my order or not. But, uh, yeah, I need to get a hold of that one. Because, why do I need it? I don't need it. Um, but I really do like these uh, early um, early uh, items of d d history. The, the design is quite interesting, uh, particularly the graphic design. So this is one of the older uh, forms, as you can see, or you can't see, so I will explain it. You know, it's uh, black and white, very simple black and white card cover, stapled. And the it uses the old kind of uh, dungeons and dragons logo with its kind of like fairground style um kind of fun characters and in the middle almost we have a, a we have a an image using two tones um the, it's using the white of course but it's also using blues of uh, two different or well, different shades of blue let's just put it like that so maybe it is. and it's also using black so different t- show- shades of blue and black, and then using the white of the back of the actual page. So um, it's of a snake, giant snake, wrapped around treasure, a chest. Um, there's some swords and weapons uh, around the t- treasure assorted in there. There's some bags, a couple of sacks, some skulls, um, skeletal hands sticking out, crown there, uh, great stuff. The back has yet another kind of like iconic uh, image is it iconic. No, maybe it's not, but it should be. It has a, it has a, on the left side, it has, um, it's probably David so- Sutherland who's done this image, these images. It has the, the this um, image of um, a very narrow dungeon corridor. You can guess from the, the angle of the walls, and there's a, a magic user perhaps. Like he's got a scroll and he's doing kind of zapping some kind of spell out at the enemy he's fighting. And there's a a warrior with a shield and sword also fighting against the same opponent, which is an owlbear. And then kind of cutting off that image and dominating maybe two thirds of the rest of the image on the right, you have uh, in the foreground, um, just around the corner, is the thief. Yeah, and the thief has crept around the monster. He's opened the treasure and from it, he has produced a sack full of gold and some kind of trophy some kind of yeah um and there's a helm and a, a sword in there there's looks like light is emanating from inside as if the the gold or maybe magic items inside are illuminating it and there's a, a shadow in blue again these interesting uses of blue uh falling behind the uh, character the characters are kind of um slightly heroic like something you might find from an old um marvels uh comic a um, kind of seventies uh, haircut there, slightly long, uh, shaggy looking, and uh, yeah, great stuff. Love it. So all I need now is to get hold of those dungeon geomorphs, and I'm I'm set. Uh, so thanks for listening to my rather long uh, unboxing. Okay, I think I'll close up here now. Um, I've covered pretty much everything I wanted to do in this episode. I did get some more things arriving. I did get some more games and uh, game-related material arriving. I don't remember if I'd mentioned that. I got Empire of the Petal Throne, the world of Tecumel, or however you pronounce that, Tecumel. Tecumel. And that was from... Uh, that was from um, drive Through RPG. And I haven't read it yet i haven't really started reading it yet i just flicked through and it looks like a great blend of uh, system and and setting um and uh quite exciting no idea how what it would be like at the table there's nice nice maps in there it's quite interesting that i'm really diving back into dark sun at the same time reading about dark sun um and this world of tekumel doesn't appear a million miles away from that kind of uh that setting so that's that's nice and another like 2.5 kilograms of of book arrived yesterday when i got home from work i uh, opened up the box and yeah it's um dungeons and dragons art and arcana of visual history i might have to talk about this later at some point i'll i'll um i've really it took about two and a half hours to flick through the whole book it's huge huge and the pictures are just stunning inside um and surprisingly for a new book there's a a bulk a bulk of the book is really um dedicated to first and second well pre pre third edition i guess um is that unfair about yeah half the book is Dedicated to the first, um, the TSR D and D, and a large chunk is third edition, some fourth, and then fifth edition is actually very quite very small. I mean, obviously, it came out at a point where, where the game was, uh, um, the fifth edition that is was still rather new. It seems to cut off around the Curse of Strahd, so that gives you a bit of an indication. But yeah. I might do um, I might sort of introduce that because it was quite reasonable, reasonably priced considering the price of um, books, and it's just a huge tome. It's a really really nice book. Um, that's pretty much it. So, until next time, I hope you'll stay well and keep on enjoying the hobby and the people that make it what it is. Take care now and bye bye. Thank you.